Hi, JFC. Glad that you are here. Hey, that was, yeah, I should have waited for a high back there. Glad that you are here. Um, sometimes I'm thinking in terms of we, we are getting this out to all campuses. Uh, on your way in here, we're giving the notes for uh, all the messages. If you want to grab that in just a second, we'll jump into the message. While you do that, let me welcome all of our campuses, Lakewood, Castle Rock, Highlands Ranch, the folks that live stream us right now uh, and through this weekend, and then the folks that may be listening in the next couple of weeks via podcasting or CD, DVD. However, you're a part of the Greater JFC family. We truly are glad that you are, and we want to welcome you into our service. So uh, it was mentioned that we are starting a new series this week. It's called Lies. Put in your notes, if you'll look at it real quick, uh, just two opening points. Well, maybe I should say this first. Whenever we start a new series, uh, my point in that first message of that series, it's pretty broad-based. We'll build into, over the next several weeks, uh, some of the issues that have to deal with lies. Like, for instance, you know, uh, the best lies are lies that we don't even recognize as lies. You get what I mean by that? So, so how do you know then? How, how are you able to distinguish, say, what's a lie from what's the truth? Because if a lie told well, if its effectiveness is in the fact that we don't even know that it's a lie, how do you ever distinguish? And I would say to you, the only way when a lie is told really well that you can even know, you've got to have a renewed mind. The Bible says in the book of Romans, Paul writes and teaches that our minds have to be renewed. And he's talking to believers, by the way. So the thought that, okay, I, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, uh, automatically I can distinguish what's true from what's a lie, that, that just simply is a lie in of itself. Your mind has to be renewed on an ongoing basis to even recognize certain lies. And part of what we'll get into in this series then is how to have a renewed mind, how to recognize a lie. And then I'll just tell you right now, uh, at the end of my message tonight, um, I'm going to talk about the need to have to be courageous. Because simply here's what's, here's what's true in this, that even if while teaching, if all that happens is in the natural, I can explain to you how the enemy works and that, that he uses lies, and, and you can understand that, uh, there's no real threat to that. But if the Holy Spirit can reveal to you how the enemy is effective in your life with lies, then the opportunity to reject that and to step into truth is here. Yeah. So the objectivity then would be what? So that you can live in freedom. But it takes absolute courage at times to confront lies that we've lived with for so long in our life. So it's not enough just to know what the truth is. Then there has to be the, 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 the courage to deal with it, to hit things head on. So there's a lot that we'll be teaching in this series. I think a lot that you'll be able to gain with. But tonight, pretty broad base, going to be as wide as I can, and then we'll build on it in the weeks to come. And I just put simply in here uh, these two opening uh, points. Number one, lies might be the most effective weapon in the enemy's arsenal. Now, truth, what do I believe? I believe they are the most effective weapon that he has. I think that he is the best uh, as a liar, and he is at his best when we don't know that he's lying to us. And I just put down there, maybe you disagree with that, so I leave room that, that, that perhaps uh, it, it's the most effective. But in my mind, it is the most effective. And especially as a pastor who's done this for a long time, 
Usually when you're dealing with someone who's in deception or whose life is messed up, you can trace it back to some place where they believed the lie. But simply you would think, okay, so now let me expose them to what the lie was and everything will be fine. Sometimes that's not enough. And that's why I said it takes courage. The second thing that I think would be true simply in this series would be that both individuals and all of humanity have been deceived by lies. So while the devil works on an individual basis with each one of us, he's probably most effective when he can, when he can uh, concentrate his power over uh, governments or over controlling individual things that, that have a lot of people underneath their influence. Does that make sense? Because if he, could, if he could corrupt a government with lies, how many more people does that influence? And I think we can look around the world today and see that world leaders certainly are influenced by lies. I'm resisting the urge to talk about our leaders, but let's go into... <laughs> let's go in. Oh, come on. Transition. Father of lies. The father of lies. So where do lies come from? Lies have always been here. Uh, every time that there weren't lies, uh, you know, how do we look at this? How do we even know? You know, uh, uh, Pilate asked the question, I'll talk about this in a moment, what's truth? I mean, doesn't everybody just have a version of truth? Everybody's got their own truth, so their truth is our lie. I mean, how does that really work? So, so in, a, in a step back, and let's look at it from a much higher perspective, uh, John chapter 844, Jesus is actually talking to a group of religious leaders at this time. And these are not people who he's, he's in particularly great uh, favor or relationship with. These were the ones who should have known he was God, but who didn't get that. So they set themselves up in opposition to, to him. And then there was a point where Christ is talking to them uh, uh, about lies and about uh, deceit. And this is what Jesus says, you belong to your father, the devil. That in and of itself, what a statement. You know he's not out to win friends and influence people with a statement like that. <laughs> I don't know many pastors who start the conversation out in counseling that way. You belong to your father, the devil. <laughs> maybe he didn't have many counseling sessions, and maybe there's a... Never, uh, so, you belong to your father, the devil... And look at this, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a, uh, th this part is, is interesting because Christ connects the initial murder, Cain and Abel, to the fact that lies were told. So he said he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, this is interesting. He speaks his native language. In other words, he's not really contemplating this is a lie. This is what he believes. Somebody asked me one time, if the devil, can't he read the end of the Bible? Doesn't he know? I mean, if, if we believe that it's, it's like it says in there, why, why doesn't he give up? Why doesn't he quit? That's deception. He absolutely has to believe that he can win. He has to believe that he can somehow stop what God wants. It would not make sense at any other level. And I think when Jesus points this out here, when he lies, he speaks his native language. He's not thinking this is a lie. He's so deceived. So he's just pointing out that when, when you do it, speaking to this group of people, when you do it, you're not, you're not 
thinking this is a lie, you think you're telling the truth. And that's just an interesting... So, for he is a liar. And then the last part of it was what I wanted you to see. Uh, he is the father of lies. So, where does lies come from? God's original intention in the earth and for creation was that there wasn't a lie. It was all truth. It was a wonderful... God is honest and always upfront. Now, sometimes we're like, God, would you explain things? And God is more into proclaiming than he is to explaining. I think that that's important to remember. But that doesn't mean that God ever deceives us or lies to us. He doesn't always just explain everything. He proclaims things to us. Now, it's in that truth that we find where the devil works best. What God doesn't always explain thoroughly, the devil loves to question. Now, our response to that would be, well, if God would just simply explain thoroughly, it would shut the devil out. My argument to that would simply be, what God does explain thoroughly, we still reject. He tells us how to treat people, and we don't do that. He tells us how to be married, and we don't do that. What to do with money, and we don't do that. Yes or no? So that we think to ourselves, well, if God would just explain it better, it would take the enemy's ability to lie about it. No, he just simply always comes in and questions what God has said. So he's the father of lies. It's his nature to lie. He's always going to lie. If you've ever been deceived, instead of being mad about it, realize you have an enemy. That's where we line up on that issue right there. All right, so moving into it very quickly, let me give you four things about lies that I think is a great introduction or understanding or a way for us to build into this series. The first one is, let me talk about the introduction of a lie. How does he lie to us? How does it come into our heads? How do we believe it? How do people find their lives so messed up at some point? What, what is the, the, the process by where that happens? And I would just simply call it the introduction of a lie. And I think the first time we see it, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Jesus, when he explains to a group of religious leaders that you're like your father the devil. You don't even know that you're lying, and he's the father of lies. When he speaks, he speaks his native language. Where do we find him pulling that from. All right, all the way back to the beginning, the book of Genesis uh, teaches this. The serpent, referring to the fact that the enemy was able to use this creature to speak to the woman. The serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, look at this, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Her answer now sets up whether or not people recognize a liar or whether or not the lie becomes effective. Because for all of humanity, she's about to answer. She could have stopped him dead in his tracks by saying, yes, that's what God said. But his effectiveness at questioning God causes her to question. Now, so the answer is, what did God say? God said... Of every tree in the garden, every tree, and there were thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of trees, of every tree in the garden, you can freely eat except this one little tree. Leave this one alone, because the day you eat of it, what was it? You shall surely die. That's what God said. But he didn't explain it. He proclaimed it. So the enemy comes in and says, does God really, did God really say this? 
She could have just said simply, yeah, that's what God said. That's all there is to it. It settles the issue for me. God said it, that's it. I don't need to know anything more than that. God said it. But she begins to question it. And in fact, here, the best lies have some mixture of truth in it. It's what makes them effective because there's some measure of, because the devil tells her, you will not die. Well, define die. Okay, when she ate, when Adam ate of it, did they die physically? Like, ah. No. But did they die spiritually? Did they die a thousand deaths? A million deaths? Did the world die a million deaths because of that decision? Think about it. So I, technica the technicality here is that it could be claimed that God said you die, and maybe the devil was referring to physical death. And ultimately, it was a physical death, too. But God was referring to spiritual death. He just didn't explain it. He proclaimed it. Their job was to listen to God. And they didn't do that. Now, now the introduction of a lie. This, uh, I think, probably is a way to understand how he works. And I just titled it The Kiss of a Betrayer. Everyone in life, from time to time, experiences the kiss of a betrayer. Someone who can get close enough to you to kiss you while stabbing you. If lies only happen from a distance... They're probably not as effective, but the fact that someone can get close enough to whisper in your ear. If it happened to Jesus, it could happen to you. So I put it this way in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, just five verses later, from when the serpent said to her, did God really say? She answers him and the devil twists just enough of the truth with enough of a lie this is, this is probably where lies are the most effective in our lives and why we fall. If we saw the result of the lie ahead of time, this, I mean, maybe this is why it should be enough just to understand that God says, if you listen to the liar, you'll die. That should be enough for us, but it's not enough for us. So the idea of God would just explain it to us. We, God has said, if you listen to the liar, you'll die. So why do we listen to the liar then? And tell me this is not, it was true for her, but in it, it's true for all of us. In chapter 3, verse 6, here's what makes a lie such the, the bait that it is. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was, look at these three things, good for food, pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom. All lies, the only reason a person listens to a lie is that it seems good, pleasing, and desirable. Yes or no? If the lie was putrid, poison, and detestable, then you're just an idiot. Yes or no? So most of us would go, I, I reject that. But every lie, if you go back in your life and think how you, when you get into a place where your life goes off track, where things are not the way that God said they were supposed to be, where you find yourself like, how did this happen to me? Here's what we do. What did I do yesterday that caused this today? And it might not be yesterday, but it might be 10 years ago. And that's the problem with a lie. It looks good, pleasing, and desirable, and the poison doesn't kill you immediately. It takes a long-term effect. 
So while they died eventually physically, instantaneous became a spiritual death. It poisoned them instantaneously, but they didn't keel over till later. But they ended up through the lie. They had a son who killed their other son. They lost everything that God had given to them. The world is under a curse because of them. Pain, thorns, toil, labor, sweat, everything that were, all of a sudden, all those things are introduced into a world. The devil didn't say, if you believe me, this is going to hurt. She thought it looked good, pleasing, and desirable. And tell me that's not how every lie comes to us. Good, pleasing, and desirable. Herein, if I can say this, this is why it's not enough for you to figure this out with your brain because your brain looks at it and says, good, pleasing, and desirable, and the Spirit of God must reveal to you through a renewed mind or through what God says and your obedience to it what a lie is. Does that make any sense? His effectiveness at making it good, pleasing, and desirable, listen to this, he can get so close to you that you don't recognize the kiss of a betrayer. They're that close at times when he lies. Let me move from the idea of the introduction of a lie to the power of agreement, the power of agreement. John 18, 38, maybe, uh, maybe one of the greatest um, results of agreement in my mind, is deception. And I probably could have put this point at the next point, but maybe you'll understand why I put it here. So Jesus stands in front of Pilate and speaks to Pilate about what is truth, and then Pilate utters the words that our world loves to say. What is truth? Now, that's, that's your truth, but that's not my truth. Or that's not everybody's truth. So what is truth? So where does that come from? It's the result of or the effect of believing a lie results in the inability to grab hold of truth. So I put in your notes, this is where maybe if you don't get anything else that you can do about it, this is one thing you could do today that could stop the enemy in his tracks. Quit agreeing with the liar, because you empower a liar and his lie whenever you agree with him. Let me say it one more time. You empower a liar and his lie or her lie whenever you agree with them. The devil has no physical power to come and make you believe anything. He is not given that power over mankind. And we give him more credit than he deserves when we go, look what the devil did. The devil lied and man believed it. And the result of the lie is the fruit that we see in a world that we live at large or in the mess up in somebody's life are our own being done. But the devil has no power to come in and go, boom. Here's what he does well. He talks effectively and long enough so that if you agree with him, you empower him and now give him the authority to act out what he said to you. All he can do is suggest 
and keep suggesting and keep talking and keep lying. So that when we say, wow, look at the enemy deceive that person or look how he's bound that person. How did he, he couldn't come and just bind them. They opened themselves up to deception or deception came through someone else that allowed it to happen to them. Which is why I say the devil's most effective is to operate at a governmental level that enslaves millions of people rather than an individual. So it's only a matter of talking long enough. You know, years ago I made this statement. Theologically speaking, the mother of all bad theology comes from disappointment. I know it's Saturday and you're like, you know, I just like a wonderful world of Disney message, so slow down. But here's, <laughs> listen to me. The mother of all bad theology comes from disappointment. When we are disappointed with life or with a person or with God, we begin to fill in the blanks of why that happened. What's that? The devil is talk, 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 talk. And whenever we say yes to what he said, we empower the lie and give it room in our life. It takes effect. So if that is true, then the way to disempower a lie is to stop listening to the liar and quit agreeing with what he says about God, about you, about this world, about life, about who you are to God, about your future, about your children, about money, about your health, anything. Quit listening to the liar. You can go, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. I, I could... I could stand up here and yell. <laughs> and it's like the Charlie, wah, 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 only like that. Wah, 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 wah. You don't, it's got to be broken to the Holy Spirit. Say, so that's a lie. And I will not empower. His power is in his ability to talk and to talk well. Now, let me rephrase that. His power is in his ability to lie and to lie well. And if it, was, if it was easy to go, that's just a lie, no one believes it. But that's what makes him so good, is that he lies and we don't even know it's a lie. But we go off and his lie becomes our truth. And then when confronted with real truth, if it's your lie, all you do is go, what is truth? And you pay the price because you're stuck in the lie. So I put important. The strategy of the enemy is simply to talk long enough so that you will come into agreement with him. When you say, I agree, you empower the person talking. When God talks to you, if you say, I agree, you now empower the truth of God God and the promises of God in your life. And it works like this in the natural. I'm sitting here right now, and if you disagree with me, no matter what I say to you, you'll receive none of it. Yes or no? But if you do this simple thing, I agree with you. The power now is then agreement. We have agreement over what was spoken, and now you can go forward with it. But if you reject it, nothing happens. Yes or no? And that's how it is with God and the enemy in our life. We're just like, well, if it's true, God will make it. No, you have to choose to come into agreement. Thank you. Here's what, here, listen, this is what Joel says. 
Can two walk together unless they agree to do so? Apply it in every area. Can two people be married unless they agree to do so? Can two people be in business unless they agree to do so? Can people go to church with each other unless they agree to do so? So if we disagree, what does it look like? Yes? No? Agree? Disagree? That was better than what I just got right there. Polite. <laughs> I won't listen to you. Here's... So, all right, look. Um, I'm going to confess to you. I confessed this to my staff this week. Um, <laughs> I don't think I have a lot of um, addictions. But I've got one that I, I just can't say no to it. And it's books. So before the days of digital books, I would go to Barnes & Noble. And dude, I would just be like, I got to have that one. And, I, and my mind was, when I get them, I will read them all. But the reality is, here's the reality. If you buy more than one at a time, the odds of you actually reading any of them to finish goes down dramatically with the amount of books that you have. And I would collect all of these books. And I just loved having books. My mind, okay, I'm going to go on vacation and read these books. But I'd have like 300 books. And it was impossible. So at some point I just like, I have a library actually is what I have. And I have reference material. And then digital books came out. And I was like, if there was ever a God moment in a person's life, it was the advent of digital books for this reason. On one device, I can carry thousands of books now. And they're much cheaper, so I can agree to buy them. But I still believe this lie. That I will get around to reading all of the books that I have on my device. Now... Here's where the addiction comes in. I get the Wall Street Journal, and every Saturday, if you get it, you know this to be true, they do a book review. Book reviews. And they make them sound so good. And now you don't even have to get in your car and drive to Barnes & Noble. You simply need to go to iBook, find the author, and click buy. And you have a book, boom, magically. It's on your machine. That's a miracle. <laughs> So where are you going with this? There are so many things that are reviewed that I have interest in, and we just passed the 100-year anniversary of World War I. So there was a book that was reviewed of the three world leaders of the time, Russia, Germany, and England. And I read that, and I thought, I want to learn more about this. So I buy this book, and I wade into it, this was in the first chapter of the book, that the result of World War I, conservatively speaking, through this century, has cost more than 100 million lives. 100 million. World War II is directly related to World War I. The Holocaust is directly related to World War I. Communism is directly related to World War I is amazing what's related to World War I. And it traces it back to three world leaders who absolutely believed a lie. And one lie 
in turn has killed more than 100 million people. Now, of course, we don't look at it that way. We'll see it from a slice of a political event that happened or from a socioeconomic event that happened. But if you could trace it back to one thing, here's what makes a lie so successful. It's told to a person who believes it, and if they have more authority than others, they can enact it on groups of people. And the Bible talks about the fact that the devil loves to work in high places and that his minions work down to lower levels. God, the power of a lie, the power of agreement. On a grander scale, a world leader could affect an entire country. Could a father affect his children and his children's children and his children's children's children by believing a lie? Could the destiny of a family be affected right now by a person who listens to a lie or who agrees with truth? If it could just be traced back to where we could see it, figure out at that point. The effect of deception, the effect of deception. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. So Paul writes these words. He's writing to a church. So that's important because he's speaking to believers, and this is what he tells believers. See to it that, look at this, no one takes you, say the word with me. See to it that no one takes you captive. And then he tells, here's how it will happen. Through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depends on human traditions and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on, really, the truth of Christ. So here's what he's saying. The effect of deception is that you're taken captive. You're taken captive. Now, whether that's on a large scale in a nation or whether it's on an individual scale, captivity happens in a person's life by believing a lie. It's as simple as... And here's the deal. We're downstairs. We're praying ahead of time. I'm like, here, I could teach this. I could get this out there. And people could say, oh, I, I see that. But unless the Holy Spirit shows you where, it's not enough for you to agree with the fact that it makes you captive. How do you get free from that captivity? Now, I've used this before, and I'll just, just very quickly. I won't, I won't go into time. But I talked about watching a little PBS special on Indian elephants. They showed this big four-ton elephant. And they asked the guy how they kept him in this little space because this elephant at any time is more than big enough to kill his captor. He's more than big enough to run off into the jungle. How do they keep him captive? And this is what the guy says, and it's like a light goes on for me. We capture them when they're babies. Ruthlessly inflict pain. And in this case, this is the, they put a little chain with spikes on its leg and drive a bigger spike into the ground so that when the elephant tries to pull, the spikes cut into its leg. So it says we take them as babies, we treat them ruthlessly with pain, and when they become adults, 
They believe when they feel that that's the way that it is. So they no longer even try. And I am watching this and thinking to myself, that is exactly what the enemy does. When you are little, he comes to lie. And he ruthlessly and with no affection whatsoever treats you with harsh and undignified and remorseless pain so that by the time you become an adult, your feelings tell you this is what truth is. Now you no longer try. This is who I am. This is how I live. This is where my lot in life is. I can go no further than this. I can never. You can't even see beyond that because that is your world. A spike and a chain and a lie. So we look at some PBS special and we think to ourselves, how foolish. Because that thing could run off into the jungle. And I would submit to you that the very thing that holds every believer in a lie is feelings. From ruthless treatment of a lie. The mother of bad theology is disappointment with God. The reason then for truth, the entire reason for truth, Jesus sums it up in two scriptures. Paul then reaffirms what Jesus was saying. John chapter 8, 32. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you. So look, look, here's this whole reason for bringing truth. Then you know the truth, and the truth will make you. The result of a lie is captivity. The only way out of the captivity is to know the truth. So you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Look at this one. I, I love this one right here. Uh, just a few uh, sentences later. So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And then here's what Paul, his take on it uh, is Galatians. He says it was for freedom. The whole thing. Everything that Jesus did, sum it up into one word, it was for freedom that he made you free. So if we put it this way, the devil is into slavery and Jesus is into freedom. The devil is into captivity, and God is into setting a person free. That is so clear. So he said, oh, awesome. (laughs) And nothing changes. You go home tonight, and that one thing changes. Your situation doesn't change because I said Jesus sets you free. The place that you're at in life, you're going to go home and feel what you felt before you got here. And what happens? Why? Because it's not enough to just simply go, okay, the Holy Spirit now must come and say, here was the lie. And so I end it then with this, and I think this is the necessity of courage. This is not enough for you to go, I want to be free. You have to be a very courageous person. You have to be willing to fight. You have to be willing to step out. You have to be willing to say that's a lie. You have to be willing to say to somebody else, I will no longer live this way. I will no longer be this way. That's not who I am. I won't let you talk to me that way. <laughs> Don't talk to me that way. Don't reinforce that thing any longer. That is a lie. The lies best believed are the ones we don't even know are lies. The conversations we have in our heads. 
Anybody in here ever have a conversation in your head? Mine normally come in the shower. I find myself talking out loud. Chris will walk in, what are you saying? Nothing. <laughs> Realizing what I was just saying was agreeing with something that the devil was saying. Does anybody ever do that? Reinforcing that thing in my life so deep that I don't even know that I'm doing it. You gotta be absolutely courageous to step against that. Courageous. I'm not talking bravado. I'm talking courage. Comes deep from within. That it must change with me for it to change with my children or my children's children. Hmm. So then it would be superfluous for me to try to teach anymore on truth, knowing that the Holy Spirit has to then take the message and do what only the Holy Spirit can do. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that you would do what you do. Set us free. It was for freedom that Jesus made us free. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. God, no one in this room would go, I want to live in slavery. I want to live in bondage. I want to live captive to a lie. Everyone in this room would agree, I want to be free. But what is that? Where do we begin to fight that? And where have we believed lies? Holy Spirit, shine. Listen, folks, listen, listen. Holy Spirit, shine the light of truth in the place of darkness and deception in our lives. That place, God, where we've agreed with the enemy, where we bought into a lie, where it's absolutely, it has, it has changed our feelings and it dictates our emotions and now makes it seem impossible to even think any other way. Whom the Son sets free is free. And God, if you show us we will be courageous tonight. We will not sit there and feel sorry for ourselves. We will not sit there and think, if only we will go, whom the Son sets free is free. And it was for freedom that he made us free. Father, do what only you can do. We are completely, totally reliant now upon the power of the Holy Spirit to take this and to change our lives. Would you do that? And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. Okay. All elements are open tonight. Communion, crosses, the altar, candles, worship, everything that we have. We're throwing all that we have <laughs> at this issue. So I want you just to enter into this time. The music right now that all of our worship pastors come to close with is designed to focus on this is who Christ is and what he says. And in light of that, let the Holy Spirit then begin to speak to you so that any of the elements that you want to use now become just tools to allow you to let God speak in your life. And it's so easy to put it on cruise control, go through the motions, take communion, not even think, what is God saying? So what is God saying to you right now? What does God want from you right now? And allow the Holy Spirit to penetrate to penetrate your heart. Now, I'm going to say this specifically, too, for all campuses. It is so easy when the 
pastor says amen to think, okay, that's it, now I'm out of here. I did my time. Don't think that way. So the best part of this service may not be in what I've said. It may be in what God says to you right now. And the power of what God wants to do may come in you being willing to listen to him right now and to allow him to speak to you, to reveal to you. Your job only is to open yourself up to him. Let him do the work. But if he says yes, be courageous in that. Don't be afraid right now. Don't be afraid. The devil would love to tell you, oh, you don't want to find out. It'll just be more. It's a lie. Quit agreeing with the liar and empower the truth in your life. In Jesus' name. Let's go ahead. Stand to your feet.